Welcome to Dudes All Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1950s Sunset Boulevard, directed by Billy Wilder, starring William Holden and Gloria Swanson. Happy New Year, folks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I rewatched Some Like It Hot in preparation for, you know, yeah, for our Billy Wilder. Wilder. Yeah. Um, And I also, I I, I watched uh, The Seven Year Itch as well. I just... Got got through them both oh, in the same way. Wow, yeah, pretty there you sweet. Go. Mm-hmm. It's both Marilyn Monroe, correct? They are yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Uh huh. And um, Seven Year Itch is not quite as good as Some Like It Hot, of course, but but they're still still yeah. really funny. Yeah, definitely. I watched a Christmas movie. I watched Christmas Vacation. Okay, know? all right. Yeah, it's Christmas sure. time. Right, got to do it. Right, Clark W. Griswold getting into trouble. Christmas yeah. time. So he's a, he's a, a giant of cinema. <laughs> you can't go wrong with it. <laughs> right. Um, so now let's talk about Sunset Boulevard. Dave, why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay. Uh, well, this is one of those essential movies that um, that we we always talk about that everybody has to have seen. Um, it's from 1950 from Billy Wilder, and what it is is a um, uh, it's a it's a it's a story about a silent film actress. In 1950, after um, she is not working anymore, and she's mm-hmm. trying to make a, a a return to the screen, and she's writing the screenplay, and she gets the help of a young screenwriter who she's actually kind of in love with. Well, it's weird given the synopsis of Sunset yeah. Boulevard. Like like anybody's mm. never heard of it, but um, yeah, it's William Holden and Gloria Swanson, and Eric von Stroheim is the butler, and it's it's one of the best movies ever made in America. Yeah, it's very good, and. What you said is basically what it's about. It's about Gloria Swanson mm-hmm. trying to become uh, relevant again yeah. in Hollywood, right. in the world, I guess you yes. could say. Because in 1950, it's been about 20 years since talkies have taken over. Yep. And so she's a silent film star. And once they came around, she's like, well, I hate talkies. <laughs> I, I don't know if they don't get into it, why she's not famous anymore, uh-huh. if it was her reluctance to change with the times, or right. if people just had no interest in her anymore, because yeah. that happened to a lot of silent oh, film a ton, stars. Oh, a ton of people, right? Um, but everybody yeah. they name actually, kind of the people yeah. they name check. Um, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like Buster Keaton's yeah. in the movie, right. like as Rod a camp- Rock yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warner's in it, uh huh. And yeah, she's in love with this guy. But the way it happens, it's like kind of this happenstance yes. situation that comes about, and William Holden's character, Joe Gillis, kind of takes advantage of it, mm-hmm. and. It's really hard to like put a label on this movie, like what kind of film it is. I know. It which is pretty cool. Right. Because I mean you could say maybe it's kind of like a film noir in a way. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not really like your typical noir, you know? It's yeah. not Maltese Falcon. No, you know? it's not. And there's no mystery to it. Yeah. Um they, they in fact they show you the ending in the in the in the opening clip. Right. And is this one of the first movies to kind of do that? Um, do you know that? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it was. It was. De- it definitely wasn't something that a lot of movies did back then. So, yeah, like yeah, you start this, at the beginning yeah. and then find out what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Now this is that that that, w- that probably was somewhat unprecedented. Right? I don't know. It works in this movie. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And the way it works is you can't really tell. Like we're gonna spoil this movie all over the place. Everybody knows yeah. that. Like it's William Holden dead in the pool at the uh-huh. beginning, and he's doing the voiceover. Like, let me tell you what really happened. Here's you how know? I died. Yeah. Here's yeah. how I died. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Did I miss that? He says, "Here's how I died." Right. Yeah. He, he actually doesn't. He he's kind of uh, talking in the third person yeah, about the like, guy in the pool. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I thought I missed that. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. No. No. You didn't miss. Here's how I died. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, you don't. 
know for sure if that's him in the pool or not. Right. Really, you can't tell 100%, but you ha- you definitely think it could be. Yeah, and even when you're looking up at the face of William Holden in the pool, it doesn't quite look like William Holden, yeah. like 100%, so, you know, he's got kind of this just death mask on. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you're, 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 you're kind of in suspense through the entire movie of, like, what actually is going to happen to lead to this scene. Right, and it's really cool because in the swimming pool, like, you see it finally crop up in the movie. You're like, oh, that's the pool. Yeah. And it's empty and decrepit, and you're like, okay, well, time's gonna pass, I guess. What's right. gonna happen? You right. know. And over throughout the movie, you see the pool like change and develop, which is <laughs> yeah, really I cool. Know. You're like, right. it's getting closer. It's, it's, it's getting closer. I know. It's getting clean and <laughs> filled with water. And at one point, you see him swimming, and oh you know, yeah, like, his shirts off, and yeah. he's all like wet and hairy, <laughs> I and gorgeous. <laughs> Let like, me chest hair. Oh man, from 1950, man. <laughs> That's right. God. And she even she stands up. Let me dry you, dear. Oh yeah. Yeah. He should be grilling steaks with that <laughs> chest hair, dude. Dude, it's yeah. <laughs> he looks very dad in it. <laughs> but that was <laughs> It's you know, it's it's so cool. I'm glad you brought that up actually cuz okay. it's like like if you think about like what, what how standard it is today for every Every person, male or female, to have rippling muscles uh-huh. when they take their clothes off, mm-hmm. and that just wasn't the case back then. Not really. I mean, no. it, it's back then. Like everybody kind of had like William Holden's body, which mm-hmm. was you know a guy who was not in bad shape, but not like it, what we know to be in shape today. Right. He wasn't rippling. No. You know. No. He just didn't have any fat. He on was him. in good shape. Yeah. I mean, I wish I looked like that. So do I. <laughs> I'll take William Holden 1950s physique. Yeah, I'll take that over anyone today. I don't. I don't want to look like. <laughs> A piece of meat, I, I guess. I, I don't really either. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd rather have a John Ham physique. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure most men would. Of course. Wow. Yeah. No, not John bad. Ham. Yeah. Perfect timepiece here. I know. John exactly. Right it, it came right to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'd like to talk about, like, just the, um, the, the, okay, I, when, when I did the synopsis earlier, that's probably the worst synopsis I've ever done on this show. It wasn't bad. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, it just was kind of awkward to, to get out when I was saying it, because yeah. I was like, well, okay, this is a weird movie to explain. And it's not because it's a hard plot to explain. It's just because it's such a, like an indelible film, and so many people have, so much ink has been spilled about it. Uh, so much so much writing has yeah. been done, so much analysis. And it's the favorite film of a lot of filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the... Uh, the, the the meta textual pieces of it about like especially glorious uh, Gloria Swanson mm-hmm. um, as Norma Desmond the the, the faded uh, silent film star mm-hmm. she um, she was able to play this role because it was very much like her own life yeah um, definitely as, as far as her career goes I I know that she was not like Norma you know as far as being a diva, no no um, but you know someone who had been away for a long time. And when talkies came in, it kind of ended whatever her, you know, like it, it ended her stardom, yeah, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and same with Eric von Stroheim um, as Max. Yeah. Um, he was a famous director. He was big time. He mm-hmm. was one of the biggest ever. And and he he and he actually directed um, uh, Gloria Swanson in a in a, in a mm-hmm. movie that's Isn't in that the cool? movie. Yeah. Isn't that really cool? <laughs> it's so cool. They <laughs> they play clips of Queen Kelly. From 1929 in Sunset Boulevard, um, mm-hmm. and you can just watch this movie like a lot of movies we do, and have kind of enjoy it on one level. Mm-hmm. But when you peel it back and watch it for the twentieth time, and kind of understand, you know, what everybody was really going through with it, it, it just makes it more all the more rich. Right, definitely. And not only is it that like those little Easter eggs there, like uh-huh. it's commenting on like how brutal Hollywood can be. Yes, and like 
what lengths people will go to yeah. to like further their career or resuscitate their career. You right. know, like William Holden gets basically trapped in this mansion by this crazy woman. Yeah, that's right. She she is not right. No, she she's has not. problems. She's messed up. <laughs> she is messed up. And has basically captured him because <laughs> this monkey's died. She needs a new oh, monkey God. to play with. You I know? know exactly. <laughs> That's right. She's treating him that way. He becomes the new chimp. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and with his with his screenwriting stuff, he's basically organ grinding. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because because she's not going to let him. She, she wants him to help with this screenplay of the story of Salome, um, mm-hmm. and she's going to star in it. And Demille's going to direct it because mm-hmm. they're going to get back to get the team back together. Yep. But Joe, uh, William Holden's character, is not allowed to edit this thing. Right, yeah. You know, he's supposed to edit it, but right. he's not allowed to edit it. Exactly. You know? There's a scene when he's, he throws out a sheet of paper, and she's watching him from over his shoulder. And yep. just like, what's that? Yep. <laughs> and he's yep. like, I'm throwing it out. It's it's unnecessary. He's like, it's better if we cut straight to this. She's like, no, we need that. <sighs> Put it back. Because she's not in those scenes. She's like... He's like, you, they don't want you in every scene. She's like, yes, they do. <laughs> she's deranged <coughs> completely, and she's self obsessed. I know, I know, and and it's and it's it's at at the same time both really sad and really infuriating. Yeah, it is. It's like you can't stand her, mm-hmm. but you do have sympathy for this character. Yes, in you ways. do. Like, I mean, because you you find out she's suicidal, right? And all she wants is like. To be loved, really. Yes. And everybody wants to be loved. Yeah. And she knows what it's like to be rejected. We Everyone knows what that feels like. Sure. And so so you can feel for her. I mean, just because she's a little cuckoo, I mean, <laughs> doesn't mean you have to hate her 100%. Right. doesn't mean she's not totally without mm-hmm. um, any kind of, you know, redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. Because, yeah. I mean, she could have been off the deep end, you know? That's true. Just totally mental. Right. But uh, they add this kind of normalness to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. which makes her very complex. And Most you know, great movies do that. I know. Your character's exactly. got to like... be complicated. <laughs> <laughs> That's called character development. <laughs> right. And you're right. <laughs> Shit, man. I know. It, it's, so, it's so weird when we explain something like that, and, and you start to understand why it's good like mm-hmm. like the, the reason the reasons that you're um so in love with this is because it does everything right even just procedurally yeah um yeah really and, cool. and then it's an interesting unique story that's on right. top of it that's right the the wax works that's that's what uh william holden refers to in his narration of the 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 three silent film stars who are playing cards with uh with glorious ones oh yeah the wax works yes that's uh buster keaton anna q nilson and hb warner mm-hmm. in addition to the the to the the stuff we we talked about earlier with eric von stroheim and glorious ones and herself like they are playing um versions of themselves mm-hmm. as you know faded silent film stars mm-hmm. now they, they don't have a lot to do in this movie um they're just there and what they're doing is kind of something that was definitely unprecedented at the time was taking a crap on the movie industry. Yeah. Like their yeah. presence, even just without any dialogue, except mm-hmm. for, you know, um, like I think there's a couple of words spoken on camera. But but just them being there in this situation, mm-hmm. playing themselves, everyone in the audience knows what's what the commentary of it is. They're, they're, they're saying Hollywood takes people and, you know, when they have no use for you, you're out. Yep. You can fall as quickly as you rise, man. That's right. Here today, gone tomorrow. Right. Buster Keaton might be, he's been cited as maybe the greatest filmmaker who ever lived. Mm -hmm. And he is made to be a clown 
in this movie as far as like, you know, hey, th- look at this guy. He's totally he's washed up. He's playing bridge with old ladies. That's right. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like like no one, the the idea that, that, that someone of, of so much renown um, would be like reduced to this, to being kind of a non-entity. Mm-hmm. It puts a lot of trust in your audience too to like look at it and kind of recognize mm-hmm. it for wait I'm not making fun of this person yeah and you know and you said you know Joe Gillis says in the film that they're the waxworks he's, yes he's the voiceover is literally pointing out like how pathetic this is yes it's not just the visual that's showing this right because right they look fine playing it they're fine that, but, that, they look like they're enjoying it's themselves, this right? younger person who's in Hollywood at the time. What, what is he? He's probably thirty. He's probably thirty years something old, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. He's in the system now. Yeah, you know, he's part of the game now, and he's looking at these people from the past, saying, oh, "Look at these dinosaurs here. What are what do they know?" Yeah, yeah. And he wants nothing to do with it, right? Yeah. And this is a Hollywood movie produced by Paramount, and Paramount's <laughs> the subject of a lot of this ridicule uh-huh. or the, or this you know commentary on That's the right. whole system. That's right. And it's really cool. Paramount just allowed them to do this. Actually, yeah, Paramount mm-hmm. was was totally on board with mm-hmm. it, right? And they let them shoot on the sets of films being shot. That's into, right. Like Cecil B. DeMille is in the movie shooting. He's his making car- a movie. He's yeah. shooting the. I don't remember which film it is, but it was the film he was working on. I believe it was Samson and Delilah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Nancy Olsen, who plays Betty Schaefer, was also, yeah. ca- she was being auditioned for that movie, <laughs> for Delilah. Yeah. Which is so cool. That's so cool. I know, man. <laughs> but yeah, like the, they allowed them to film on his movie so he can play himself in this movie. <laughs> it's really cool. And the the, the really, the, my, my favorite part of all of that is L.B. Mayer's reaction, you know, um, I don't agree with L.B. Mayer on right. a lot of things. Neither of us do. This is outside the movie, folks. This yes. is in Hollywood, real life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In um, 1950, this was his reaction. Louis, <laughs> L., you know, Louis B. Mayer, when he found out what the movie was about, when he saw it, he, you know, was outraged. He went after Billy Wilder at the premiere, told him, you know, um, how, how could you do this? How could you, um, like, sort of go after Here's the thing, <laughs> L.B. Mayer. You know what? What he loved more than anything was well. He was a hypocrite for one thing. And he but he also what he what he prized more than anything was like the American ideal mm-hmm. and um, portraying that on screen. He wanted movies to to show uh, whatever whatever was like the 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 stereotype of like the halcyon American dream. Right. Like this is America. Yes. You know. Yes. There's nothing wrong here. Exactly. Yeah. Not <laughs> everything's cool. Everything is wonderful. We're all white Christians. Everything's great. Right. <laughs> um. And, like, the, the, there's there's a million things wrong with with portraying that, and also wanting that to be portrayed. Mm-hmm. For for one thing, because it wasn't his life. Mm-hmm. He came from a very small village in Belarus. And grew up Jewish. I mean, like, like there, there's nothing about like that Andy Hardy dream that Mayor was was constantly trying to shove everybody down everybody's throats that, that was even close to what his real life was. And also, he felt that way about Billy Wilder. Yeah, he said, you know, pretty much, how dare you come after the the business that has made you, you right. know, Wilder like, so came successful. from Germany, right? He did. Yeah. Yes, he also escaped the Nazis, right? Um, and and he faces anti-Semitism just just like L.B. Mayer did, mm-hmm. and. I love that the movie got made, and I love that that it it finally shed some light on on what was a pretty shitty business. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that I know everybody that 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 Louis B. Mayer has done amazing things for the movie business. He is the movie business. Yeah. Um. But 
he also was a jackass. Yeah. He also was a world-class piece of shit in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that he doesn't like this movie shows that, that we could probably never be friends, he and I. So, you know, let's... Preach. Yes. Preach, Dave. <laughs> right. There's your history, folks. Yes. Dude, did, do you know what, um, when he confronted Wilder about it, you know what Wilder told him? Uh, he said, fuck you. I knew it That's was, what he said. I knew it was two words. <laughs> yeah. <I'm>, yes. <laughs> Wilder was known for his uh, outgoing personality. Yes. <laughs> and if I could have been there to see Billy Wilder tell LB Mayor, fuck you, I mean, you know, I probably could have died happy right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> um... I was reading about this too, and like when uh, Wilder was at um, like a, a party with the Reagans, okay, yeah. and he was talking mm-hmm. to Nancy Reagan, and she asked him about the chimp, um, <laughs> why why she had the chimp, okay, and he said, well, obviously she was fucking the chimp <laughs> to Nancy Reagan. That's nice. What he says. That's excellent. Wilder's never lost it. Wow, he's a, he's a terrible loss, man. Yeah, what, he, yeah, because that man was a treasure. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so we and we talked about the waxworks, and we kind of got into the, the the backstory of everything. And we even mentioned Queen Queen Kelly being shown. Um, like mm-hmm. that that was that was it's it's one of the things like the ever present in this movie is is William Holden's narration. Yeah. Um, and like the movie wouldn't be the same without his commenting on the situations. Mm-hmm. What what he's doing in this in this situation is um. He's being, uh, he's kept. He, he's a gigolo, essentially. Pretty much. Um, like, Norma Desmond has a lot of money, and um, he has nothing. Um, the reason he's there he has, is because his car broke down. He has a terrible career. Right. He's not a great writer. Right. His he's, car's breaking down. They're trying to repossess it. Yep. You know, he's he he popped a tire while running the loan sharks he's, that are chasing <laughs> yeah, that's him. that's right. And he happens to roll into her driveway. Yeah. Um, so he decides to camp out there. What, what am I doing? You know, right. I can lay low for a few days till the heat's off and then get out of here uh-huh. with a couple bucks in my pocket. Yeah. He's going to take her money. Yeah. Little does he know that this lady's crazy <laughs> and they're going to have his car taken from him and move all his clothing and shit into the house. And yeah. He wow. doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. But then he goes along with it. He does. Like the New Year's Eve party. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. She's throwing a huge New Year's Eve bash. She's in this mansion, this old mansion, everybody. It's gigantic. It's huge. Yeah. And they've she's got a live, you know, quartet string orchestra. Oh yeah. Uh catered food with uh the the butler, you know, Manolette <laughs> Max. And so he comes out in his tuxedo and she's there in her finest gown, I guess. Yeah. And they start dancing and talking and it turns out no one else is coming to this party. She's throwing this huge expensive bash. For the two of them, she's got him in evening wear, um, yeah, like the, an Armani tux she mm-hmm. bought him earlier that that week. Um, yep. and this is all for the two of them, and and for her, for him to fall in love with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, apparently she's in love with him. Yeah, and I guess this it comes out here, and he kind of says, "Well, who do you what do you think I'm doing here? I'm not here for this." Yes, and uh, he storms out. She goes upstairs crying. Right. Um. Then he goes to that party at Artie's house. Yeah. Artie's his buddy who writes, and he meets Artie's girlfriend, Betty Schaefer. Mm-hmm. So Joe Gillis is like hitting on Betty Schaefer, <laughs> who is his friend's fiance. It's really, really tasteless, Joe. Um, really tasteless. I, at the party, I, I know what you mean. The yeah. first time I saw this, yeah. I thought he was getting a little bit too familiar yeah. with, with his friend's girlfriend. And she was going for it, too. And she's kind of into Come it. Come on, 
Ugh. I know, woman. I, like I, I know that I know that you're a bunch of like you know like liberals in the fifties, but but I mean like come on, have a little bit of respect for your for yeah. your boyfriend or whatever. But anyway, we can get back to that little thread soon. But um, so then a phone call comes, and it's Max and uh, Norma Desmond has slit her wrists. Mm. So Joe Gillis goes back and shows up to the mansion again, and I don't know what he's planning on doing when he shows up or why he really goes back yeah you have some ideas i guess i i, I really don't i'm, I'm okay. kind of i'm kind of as lost as you are because like, yeah what 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 is his reason other than just feeling bad yeah that, that, that this happened because he was going to get out of there he yep. just asked Artie if he can crash on the couch for a few weeks that's right and he was going to and he was planning to like go back home yeah um to save up some money for a couple of weeks and, and then like get out of hollywood yeah so he rushes back to norma desmond's mansion and goes up for some reason to her bedroom to console her, I guess. And yes. they end up kissing. Yeah. And I guess he's decided, I'm just going to stay here. That's when he makes the decision and, yeah. to be the gigolo. Yeah. Like, I've almost killed this woman, even though it's not his fault. <coughs> right. But she slit her wrist because he ran out on her. Yeah. You know, that's always a sticky situation there, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, so he maybe he feels like he needs to stay here yeah. for some reason. And then he just lives it up for a while and accepts it. Right. And that is so strange. (laughs) He becomes his gigolo. He's hanging out. I don't know if they're screwing or what. They are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're definitely. I mean, it's it's like they're they're a couple. Okay. I mean, it's just it's just. Okay. Yes. He is being like he is essentially just a kept man. Okay. Because I mean, in 1950, they didn't really show that stuff too much in the movies. You know, so they don't explicitly tell you that's what's happening. Um. Yeah. They, I mean. Yeah. Exactly. You it, can it, assume. It's yeah. Happening. You, you can assume it's happening. Yeah. I mean, like, she, he's got all this expensive uh, clothes. I mean, like, she's got the gold cigarette case with "Mad About the Boy" inscribed in right, it. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Of course. Oh, God. <laughs> Mad about the boy. <laughs> That's disturbing. Yeah, I know. That is disturbing, <laughs> man. Um. Yeah. But you could see her singing a torch song to her, uh, to him, obviously. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh. And Norma. Um, th- throughout all of this, the the whole reason for wanting the her her goal is to get this horrible screenplay that she's spent the last ten years right. writing made. So, um, through a series of misunderstandings, um, this Paramount wants to rent her old car, <laughs> um, and but she misunderstands it, thinking that like they're calling because Miss Cecil B. DeMille wants to make her picture. So she gets uh, William Holden and Eric von Stroheim into the car, and they go to Paramount, and she gets a meeting with DeMille on the set of Samson and Delilah, and DeMille does not have the heart to tell her, look, right. it's over, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not going to happen. And Cecil B. DeMille playing himself, you know, also doing the same thing Billy Wilder did, mm-hmm. by uh, and everybody else who participates in this movie, um, sticking it to L.B. Mayer, right. his ilk. He, he he wants so badly to be able to 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 help this person. Right. And he even tells off his assistant who who wants to, like, quote, give her the brush. Mm-hmm. He tells her, you know, you didn't know Norma Desmond as a young, you know... Um, right, as a young starlet who who had more a lot of vision and guts. Yeah, and it's it's great to see all the other people on the set like crowd around her. And, and yeah, when and, the guy you know, shines that spotlight yeah, on her, hey, Hawkeye. it's Norma Desmond. Right, and uh-huh. for for that moment, you yeah, know, she's back in the spotlight, and everyone surrounding her, you know, wanting her attention. Yes, and all eyes on her, and she loves it, man. Right, 
And it's almost sad to see that happen to her because mm-hmm. you know that's the end. I mean, that's I not it's not going to happen. Yeah, there's no way she's going to make, make a movie with, with Cecil B. DeMille again. Mm-hmm. So, so you're sad about that, but just like we talked about before, you're, you're also still, whenever you get sympathy for her, she does something that's very Norma. Yeah. And you start to realize that when she says, I just want to work again, that's not what she wants. No, she wants no. to be a star. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a star doesn't mean working hard. It means, like she says, I, like comes out of her own mouth, I, I, I don't work before 10.30 and, right, and yeah. not after 4 <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. Right. She starts laying out, all right, here's what's going to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> I don't work this day. I don't do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You don't have control here. Yes. <laughs> it's not going to work like that anymore. Right. And like just to see her working in any kind of film capacity I can't see it even happening just because of the way she's thinking about the picture still. She's yeah. she's still saying, like, we didn't need to talk back then. I we know. expressed it with Ugh, our eyes. Man. People don't even express things anymore. We were the best. It, it, she's it, stuck in that I past. Know. I and know. Can't get past. She can't get over that. And she's so far mistaken uh-huh. about the whole thing. I right? mean, like, the the idea that, that, that this this, like, overly theatrical silent movie acting was it. Yeah, like, 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 and nothing else will do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why so many silent film actors weren't able to make the transition. A lot of times, because they, they, I mean, we saw it in Singing in the Rain. Yeah, um, remember, you know, when 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 Gene Kelly <laughs> is is like is doing all of his like overly, you know, big dramatic movements, and he mm-hmm. realizes, and he says, he says, it's all just a bunch of dumb show. <laughs> um, you know, it's 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 like that, and for her to to not have self awareness to know also when Demille is not going to. This is not going to happen, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's all over his face, mm-hmm. and w- whether or not he he leads her on, and and so do everybody else in her life. You know, like trying to tell her that that that, that this is you know, yeah yeah we're making we're making the movie, um, that that she doesn't have I guess enough awareness to know that this is bullshit. It, it's it's so telling. That sucks, man. Yeah, that sucks. And then you know they leave, and he says, you know, tell him to find a different car to use. Yeah. And he says, I'll buy him five cars just to get her out of my hair. DeMille wants yep. nothing to do with it anymore. Right. Yep. He's done. Right. He is so done. <laughs> he says, I'll buy him five old cars if necessary. He's been done for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. He never thought he was going to see, you know, Norma Desmond again. Right. Well, because they had a great career yeah. together. Yeah. Yep. Things were good for a while. Ugh. Yeah. The downfall, man. The, the fall. <laughs> right. It sucks. And throughout all of this, um, Betty Schaefer, um, yeah. Artie's girlfriend, is actually a, uh, she, she reads scripts over at the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they originally met her and Joe, um, it was it was in uh, Sheldrake's office where, where Betty had, um, like, torn apart one of Joe's, you know, yeah, yeah, one of stories. scripts. <laughs> yeah. She said it was cliched and crap, which it was. It was just some stupid baseball mm-hmm. story about a guy who's into the, you know, into the mob. Yep. Um, but... Uh, it turns out she, they, they, he, he's written something that he's actually proud of, and Betty likes it and wants to wants him to help her finish the screenplay. Oh yeah, she likes six pages of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, That's what she tells him. That's right. <laughs> and then they, she wants to work on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so they decide to collaborate at night on the Paramount lot in her office, and he has to sneak out of Norma Desmond's house while she's getting all these treatments mm-hmm. to, you know, make herself look youthful for the cameras again. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, he's working on this script in in, in secret. <sighs> yeah, bad move. Yeah, bad. Yeah, move. it's a bad move, right? It. Yeah, I I I don't think that he really. I think he's trying to get in there with Betty Schaefer, not just working on the script. I think his whole angle 
is to take this girl from Artie. <laughs> okay. Like, the script is secondary. Yeah. That's what I think. Okay. To her, the script comes first. Yeah. And then she's kind of fallen for this guy. Right, you know? right. But uh, Joe Gillis, he's not a good dude, you know? No, he's, he's not. He's not. He's, he's an, an opportunist. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely <laughs> an opportunist. Like The yeah. whole movie's filled with opportunists. Yeah. Like, everyone in this film is an opportunist, <laughs> <That's> really. <laughs> uh, but they end up falling in love. And, yeah, don't work with your friend's fiance while you're out of town don't you can't do that dude it's come so, on it's so and after hours going back i know all right yeah he's obviously angling for something right i mean it's cool i love their chemistry though yeah they're really good together and i like a lot of the lines like when joe tells her like next time you see me get two feet close to you take off your shoe and whack me with it <laughs> <laughs> and then and then there's a great one um <laughs> Like what changed your mind? You did or something like yeah. that. I, mm-hmm. I, I I'm butchering it, but well, when when she when she declares, you know how she feels, mm-hmm. um, and and he's he knows what she wants to say, mm-hmm. and he's trying to like you know make sure that it, he 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 wants to hear it, but um he also like. He's he's not gonna like kind of uh, well she 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 doesn't want to say it because she she knows that it's gonna end the life of Artie you know right. who yeah. is away um you know he he's he works in as, as an assistant director and he's in another state you yeah. know working on stuff mm-hmm. and um she just tells him look I, I I I love him but I'm not in love with him anymore and I don't want to marry him because of you yeah and his mm-hmm. in his narration he he says which is a classic. You know, kind of guy who's not really a nice guy, but is just posing as a nice guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> says, "Look, Artie's the greatest guy in the world, and uh, I've got his girlfriend." You know, like I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, come on, yeah. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it, he he feels guilty, but he also is kind of enjoying this. I'm sure he is because I'm... I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, it, it's it's I, I I understand people fall in love, you know, and and people sometimes have affairs. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, he probably should have been working on this script himself. He never should have been a gigolo. He never should have exactly. taken Norma's deal. Exactly. I mean, he should have been. He should have gone home to Dayton when he was supposed to do it. He should have got out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Now you're gonna get shot. <laughs> That's right. You should have just left. <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't be face down in the pool right now. God, what a dick. <laughs> yeah. He sucks. <laughs> Joe Gillis it, sucks. I, he's a great character, I but know. he sucks. Man. I know. What he's a, not a good guy. I mean, there's way worse guys out there. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. The things he's doing to these women. And uh, <laughs> like like the ending, for example. Right. When uh, Norma finds out, like, where were you? Where are you doing? I, you were out working with this girl. Yeah. Uh, Norma calls up Betty and has her on the phone trying to explain something to her, I guess. It's pretty chilling. Yeah, and Joe shows up, and he's standing there right behind her while she's on the bed on the It's very cool. It's a very striking shot. Yeah. And you don't know what Joe's going to do. I know. (laughs) Is he going to brain her with something? Yeah, like he's going to bash her skull open? Yeah. You don't know. That could happen in this movie. Who knows? I know. You don't know what... You don't know where this movie's going. I know. Like, this movie takes turns that you do not expect, (laughs) which is awesome. It's so cool, I know. And so he grabs the phone out of Norma's hand... Gets on the phone. Yeah, Betty. Yeah, it's Joe. Come here and I'll I'll explain things to you. Yeah. And uh, hangs up the phone and gets in an argument with Norma. And then Betty shows up, comes in, and instead of confessing his true love to her and telling Norma off, he shows Betty around the place trying to explain what's been happening with him the last few months. Yes. And it just keeps rising into this more and more like aggressive attack on Betty. And yeah. pretty much just says, I never loved you and I hate you, and and leave me alone. 
I, I, I take it as more he's trying to, he's being this way to spare her, um, like, he knows what a rotten guy he is. Okay. And so he's explaining to her, look, I'm a boy toy. Okay. I don't, and I, I don't have any money of my own. Like, see all this GQ flash I have? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 this lady bought it for me, and I have nothing. So if, if you take up with me, that's what you're going to get. Okay. I, that's how that's how I take it. That could be it. Yeah. yeah. That could be it. And but, I mean, that makes him still not a good guy. But right, yeah. Um, well, at least he told her, I guess. Yes. But, He's being a little bit upfront about it. You but know? yeah, but the thing is, like like I said, it takes turns. You did not expect him to do this. Right. You expect him to just fall in love and leave. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, that's right. Or get mm-hmm. shot, I guess, somehow. But right. you don't expect him to tell her off, basically. I know. Yeah. 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 No, it, and it, yeah, the first time you see it, you, you're definitely not expecting him to bring her in and then do this. Yeah. Yeah. So she leaves, and then Norma says, "Oh, Joe, I can't believe you did this. I, like, I'm so in love with you." Yes, and but no, he didn't do it just for her. You no, know? he's like, "I'm getting out of here. Yep. He, <laughs> I'm he's done with all this." Exactly. He 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 mm-hmm. he sent Betty off. She's gonna go marry Artie. So he he kind of mended that, and now he's like, "What? Whatever Norma, whatever power she had over him, where she was able to manipulate him, mm-hmm. where he would just bend to whatever her psychotic whims were." Mm-hmm. I mean, he's completely ignoring her. Yep. He, he's he's packing up his stuff. He's taking off the, the cufflinks. He's not bringing any of those all those suits that she bought him. He's mm-hmm. just getting his old battered suitcase that he brought with him, yep. or that, that Max you know took from the Aldonado apartments. Mm-hmm. And he's he's done. She has no effect on him anymore. He's leaving that camel for whatever yeah. the, the Vicuna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. The guy's like, well, if the lady's paying Ooh. for it, yeah. Why not just take the Vike unit with that, that thin that guy's mustache? dirty mustache. Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> He's a sleazy guy, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he made the sale, though, didn't he? He sure did. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so he's getting packed up, and he's going to leave. Uh, Norma has already established that she'd bought a gun to kill herself mm. for some reason. Yeah. You know, because she's suicidal, and she's right. tried it. We've seen her try it. Oh, yeah, it. she's legitimately tried it. Yeah. So uh, Joe starts leaving, and she's chasing them out the mansion. And here we go. This is where the movie started. <laughs> she fires a shot at him, hits him in the back, hits him in the back again. He turns, hits him in the stomach. He's in the pool. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And he also possesses knowledge that Nor- that that Norma also, but they both they both <laughs> possess knowledge, but whether they're aware of it or not, about Max's identity. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, <laughs> um, Max. Like his character, like his, re- you know, Eric von Stroheim is playing Max, and he tells Joe wh- during one of the nights when when Joe comes back from from writing the script with Betty that um, what he really is. Yeah, he is he is Norma's butler, but he's actually her first husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a filmmaker. Yep, and he was one of the most promising filmmakers in Hollywood. Yep. Um, <laughs> and here he is walking yeah. around. Norma never acknowledges him as anything more than the help. Yep. Um, and he, for whatever reason, I, I still, I still don't know what his motivations were. Like, like, what is the? I mean, I know he says that he's doing it out of love. He's mm-hmm. doing this for Norma because he's in love with Norma. Right. Um. But well, he's how... like en- enabling her, though. You know, Comple- like, That's how he's doing wor- it. Absolute yeah. worst chronic enabler in mm-hmm. cinema history, really. Probably mm-hmm. in all of that I've ever seen in any <laughs> yeah. in any realm of life. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you be this horrible when you know someone is mentally sick mm-hmm. and, and you just perpetuate it? He writes her all the fan ma- mail that she gets. Yeah. Him, that, that she gets. She gets seventeen thousand letters a month. Oh my god! And something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah. And he he. 
after Joe tells her tells her off during this whole thing where, where you know he's about to leave, he he asks Max, "Hey, tell her, Max, tell yeah. her the only fan mail is the stuff that you send." Uh huh. He's not giving it up. He doesn't. He you basically know? says, "I will take your bags, sir." I will take yeah. Mister Mister Gillis's bags. Yeah. Like, yeah. all right, let's get this asshole out of here. Exactly. And get back to normal. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm going to I'm going to make Norma believe that she is the, is still the number one movie star in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Out of love, and it's the worst kind of love you can have. Right. You know, not, not acknowledging that someone is totally messed up. I don't know what he sees. Like you said, they don't explain his motivations at all. No. All you know is he was her first husband. Yes. And, you know, he. I guess he was in love with her then. Yeah. He, I'm sure he still is now. Yeah. But why would you do this? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. To give up your own life completely. Yeah, that's like you he know, has no life at yeah. all. He lives there and serves her, right, unquestioningly. Yes, that's it. He 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 is just just her servant, and he, this guy was like at the same level as Cecil B. DeMille. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gave that up to be Norma Desmond's butler. I mean, and and <laughs> yeah, and not her trusted, you know, like like longtime companion butler, like like someone who is just being ordered around, uh-huh. who is less than human. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really something. It's a great character. Yeah, it is. Wow. It is. I know. It's, this movie's full of great characters, dude. Every everyone we've mentioned in this is great, and everyone is is vital to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's no extraneous characters. Um, even Artie, who who's kind of there, just driving the conflict between you yeah. know for like uh, you know yeah. Betty and and Joe. Like it's I, I like the character. I like his scenes. Mm-hmm. I like Jack Webb's performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, th- this th- this movie has pretty much everything that you want in old Hollywood. Um, it's got everything going for it. It's got a script. It's it's got great narration. Um, it it's got all the 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 staccato dialogue that you want in a film noir. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there's mm-hmm. nothing missing from it. Yeah, definitely. And like, like as far as noir goes, there's not really like the femme fatale you expect in yeah. a, a, a noir. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Or or like a mystery or anything. Sure. I guess the mystery is um how does this guy die? Yes. Basically, <laughs> right. like driving it that way. Uh huh. But yeah, it's like. So hard to identify this film, like we just said. <laughs> like, is it? It's I guess just a drama about Hollywood, you know. I guess and so. Yeah, I, I, it's almost irony in a way. Like, yeah, the way these things turn out. Yeah, it, it it is a great film. It's one of the best American movies ever made. It sure is. And I I, I think that even people who love it and critics who have who have praised it all these years, like they they've and even w- w- what we did about like like kind of reducing it to it's it's a movie that that is mm-hmm. um, that takes a shot at the movie industry um i don't even know if i believe that like like i i don't know if if i, if I think that, that that that's what it's what its themes are or that's what billy wilder was trying to lee brackett and billy wilder were trying to say yeah you know that that that, that hollywood you know is a just a sausage machine and it just churns people and and you right. know I think that it's really kind of commenting just on the star system in general, whether it's from the silent era or today. Um, the idea that, that that stardom is what is prized instead of instead of theatric, instead right. of theatrics. Right. You know, like 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 why isn't someone who is who's the greatest actor in the world? We don't know. We we can't say who the greatest is, but who are the ones that we keep coming back to and whose movies right. do we want to see? Yeah. As like film critics or film appreciators, it's generally not a list stars all the time. Right, um, but those are the money makers. Those are the ones. Those who, are the yes. popular ones. Yes, you know. Yes, and, and Will Smith, Tom Hanks, like that's what people think of nowadays of when they think of a, a movie star. It's them. Yeah, and they make the money, but 
do they always give the best performances or are the most affecting? Those are two great actors. They do. Yeah. But, like, are they the best actors? Maybe not. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, 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 what does that system say about, like, mm-hmm. our interest in movies in general? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I don't think that we are, you know, kind of navel-gazing too much. Um, <laughs> but but I know that, that, that a lot of people in the movie business do so. And, right. and it hasn't changed since 1950. No. So, yeah. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, Sunset Boulevard. Good stuff. Right. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap things up here? Um, no, I mean, I just had a couple of things. I mean, the, the, one of my favorite pieces of kind of trivia about this was, um, like, when I was when I was first watching Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. um, and David Lynch, you know, the, the series is created by David Lynch and Mark Frost, and, yeah. and Lynch himself makes a cameo in there um, as FBI agent Gordon Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was watching Sunset Boulevard again for the however many, you know, time, now when I first saw it in Twin Peaks, his name was Gordon Cole, I was like, boy, I remember that name from, from Sunset Boulevard. Uh-huh. Um, I remember C.B. DeMille calling the guy who who, who wanted to rent uh, Norma Desmond's car was named Gordon Cole. Oh, that's a yeah. Weird, that's a weird coincidence. Uh-huh. Then I remember you telling me that you yep. read David Lynch's autobiography where he talks endlessly about how much he loves Sunset Boulevard. It's his favorite movie. Yes. Yep. Um, so him being named Gordon Cole in Twin Peaks couldn't be an accident. No, it's totally intentional. <laughs> yes. And I remember the first time I've seen this film, uh-huh. uh, Sunset Boulevard, I, w- I was thinking, this is like this chimp stuff. Like, at least, oh, yeah. Like, especially like, mm-hmm. this is like David Lynch shit. Absolutely. Yeah. You, well, you see where he gets it from. Yeah. <laughs> there, 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 it's no accident the way that this, total, this guy's. Yeah. Yeah. His sensibilities came from somewhere. It's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool, dude. And there's another great Lynchian moment is it's just when 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 Joe uh, like is walking through the mansion at one point and there's this beautiful um, wind going through the organ pipes. Yes, I love it. Wow, I love it. It's just a nice atmospheric touch. It is. They talk about it briefly, yep. and, and a couple times throughout the movie they mention it, and it just sets sets this like haunting mood over yes. everything, which right. is so cool. I know. Like, can't they just fix this organ so the <laughs> draft doesn't blow into the pipes and right. make this eerie sound? Right. Why don't they do that no they just let it happen because it's a big creepy mansion you know let's, <laughs> exactly let's leave it yep right <laughs> so dave would you recommend this movie yes i would <laughs> all uh, right yeah no definitely i mean i i i i want everyone i want everyone to see this i want people who aren't into classic movies to see it i i recommended it to somebody about three weeks ago um i, I said they said when is, is when was it made i said 1950 and of course they they were like balking like ah, i don't want to see it no yeah. no no see this movie right see it now uh, yeah. it, it's right on Netflix for you. Probably in the op- in 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 the right. Yeah, the, uh, the the little thumbnail there is right there for you. You don't mm-hmm. even have to search for it. Just see it. It's yeah. a classic. It holds up like everything think, about it. You think 1950s? You're like, well, yeah. No, this movie holds up today. Yes, it, it definitely is worth it. I would recommend this movie for sure. I I, I bought it on Blu-ray. Well deserved Blu-ray. Yes, everyone should buy this on Blu-ray. Right. Do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that about wraps up the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes, rate it, review it, and most of all, share it. That gets more dudes listening to the dudes. If you don't use iTunes, go anywhere else you get your podcasts and do the same thing there. That's right. Just do that, please. Yeah. Or go to dudesonmovies.com and you can find everything you need right there. Yes, um, and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, just look for Dudes on Movies, and if you uh, go to our email, it's a uh, dude on movies at gmail.com please drop us a line about anything um, that you have on your mind about movies yeah definitely and you can still get us a request because dudes on demand is next Mm -hmm. January is dudes on demand listener request month so stay tuned next week for 1990s hard to kill 
Directed by Bruce Malmuth, starring Steven Seagal. This is from <laughs> Tony in St. Louis. Right. Thanks for that. And also, we need to mention that we're going to have a little bonus episode after this. We're going to do a New Year's resolution type stuff. We did it last year, and we're going to kind of recap that and talk about new resolutions for 2017, movie-watching stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do that, and hope you enjoy that. But stay tuned next week, and you'll hear Hard to Kill. Right. So until then, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.